The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that's a little bit different for uh, new age, new thought uh, delivery, but we're going to talk about it because it's actually a global concept. The word is grace. And the Sanskrit word for it is Shaktipada, which means bestowing the energy or lighting the lamp. In Buddhism, we learn from the Udana of the unborn and unbecome and unmade and uncompounded, which provides us an escape from all that is born, become, made, and compounded. From there, we learn that the Buddhist, perhaps grace, is transcendent. In Christian faith, it's more or less defined as the unearned mercy of and love of the divine and very often relative to our salvation, uh, which protects us from having to go to hell. Uh, I love the Sanskrit definition because it gives us a working image. Grace allows room for the soul to give a say in our lives and bestowing the energy or lighting the lamp is a way of saying that. Grace gives us a sense of life that runs deeper than that sense of it we get from the stories we tell of our lives, of our suffering and our victories. Somehow, from somewhere, comes this lighting of the lamp, this bestowing of energy, and we're alive, if even for a moment, in a whole new way. What does it mean? Where do we access it, that grace, more readily? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you look up the word grace in uh, on just Google, you Google it, and what you get is a definition, something like simple elegance or refinement of movement. When so we talk about somebody who has grace when they walk or grace when they talk, there's a certain kind of, uh, of rhythm, a certain kind of flow to their energy so that they are able to, to walk uh, or dance or speak or move their hands with grace. And uh, so that's a beginning way to think about it, because when we speak about grace as a divine energy, it also has that same kind of flow, that same kind of ease. You know, when we talk about uh, particularly the Olympics right now, as we're watching um, uh, all these gymnasts do their thing, what we see is grace of movement. They're able to just do it and make it look so easy. So there's a kind of ease that goes with grace as well. So that's a good starting point. We're talking about a flow and an ease. So let's go from there. Uh, when when the Bible talks about grace, very often traditional Christians tell us that this is a, a, a grace from for salvation and from the wrath of God. In other words, we're not going to receive the wrath of God. We'll rather receive the uh, mercy of God. And we're going to talk a little bit more about those terms in just a few minutes. But it originates in the word charis, which means pleasure, delight, goodwill, kindness, mercy, or exerting the divine influence on the soul. It's rooted in kario, 
to rejoice, be glad, to be well, or thrive. And it's considered the opposite of God's wrath. So God's grace, according to the Christian tradition, is a way of giving delight and pleasure. And it allows us to rejoice and be glad and be well. And it also is uh, the divine influence upon us. So, uh, in particularly in this definition, upon the soul. Uh, and so, when we think about that from a traditionalist perspective, what that means is that the divine has intervened to save us, protect us, do things that will uh, be kind and merciful toward us, or give us delight and pleasure. We don't typically think of delight and pleasure in terms of, uh, when it comes to the salvation experience, but I'm reminded of the Garden of Eden, which also has to do with delight and pleasure. Um, and that, uh, when we study the root language of the garden, the word Eden and the Garden of Eden, what we come to is some kind of definition of a psychological heaven. Um, and we can talk some more about that another time when, when, um, the author of the Metaphysical Bible talks about the Garden of Eden. He's talking about a uh, place within humanity in which we are able to experience ourselves as divine beings. We're ex- able to experience what some would call the spark of the divine within us, and others would call the essence of who we are or the divine in us. So when we, when we think about that from that perspective, it adds a little bit more meaning, so we find that grace perhaps might get us to that place, that place within us where we recognize who we actually are as divine beings. Um, that is not the traditional definition, however. Grace in the traditional format is a salvation experience where because God is merciful, we don't have to go to hell. Um, Merriam-Webster defines it as, when it talks about it in the religious sense, it, ta- it's call- it says, unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification, and some synonyms are mercy or pardon. So again, it's related there to salvation. Typically, when we hear it in churches, we hear it related to salvation, the salvation experience where a person is uh, to be born again, and from there they are uh, received into the arms of, of the divine and, and granted um, entry into heaven when they die. Okay, so now from a New Age, New, uh, new Thought perspective, and certainly from my perspective, what we're talking about is when we receive grace and the arms of the divine open for us, it's our own arms because we are also divine. Not to say that there's not a divine being that's supreme and absolute, but also to say that there is that sense of ourselves that is divine essence. And from there, we are able to receive ourselves, receive the the part of us that has been split off from from that divine essence, from awareness of that divine essence, uh, and and can can be taken in and embraced and enfolded and transformed, therefore. So, and we'll talk some more about that, but I want to tell you a little bit more about these other definitions. There's a, uh, a book out there called Grace Unfolding, and the subtitle is Psychotherapy in the Spirit of the uh, Tao Te Ching. It's by Greg Johansson and Carl, Ronald Kurtz. Um, they talk about the process of grace, including naming, uh, affirming the darkness, entering the mystery, emptying, embracing our experience, and several other key elements to grace, not the least of which is the seemingly opposite peace from effort. So uh, when we talk about uh, grace from the uh, Tao Te Ching, what, we're, what we might be talking about is that process of becoming, uh, becoming full of who we actually are, or in the Buddhist sense, becoming the Buddha. 
So uh, when we when we when that grace within us unfolds, what's happening is we're getting in touch with uh, the in, inner Buddha, so to speak. Uh, and that's not the Tao Te Ching, but it is. Um, another way of talking about that, getting in touch with the chi, the divine energy within us. Um, with uh, When we talk about uh, patience, I also read patience is a form, a, a new definition prescribed by grace would be that patience is an active process, which uh, ha- which means that we act in synchronicity. We act with the timing that supports what we're doing. So that's an interesting definition of patience relative to the flow of grace within us. So again, we, we talked earlier about the flow and about energy sort of downloading on us as a, a form of grace. And uh, so when we talk about redefining words in terms of grace, patience is one of those words that can be redefined. So it's not us waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen and trying to be not so anxious while we're waiting, but it is uh, the the patience that is synchronicity. That is, we are in the divine flow. We recognize that divine flow. We can go with that divine flow because we don't have to worry about anything because we're in the divine flow. So that would be another way of looking at patience from the perspective of grace. Um, 13th century Buddhist reformer Shinram Shonen recognize the desperate helplessness of the human condition and our deep need for grace. So that was in the 13th century, and that that term grace was uh, um, understood back then to be uh, a place we could go to inside ourselves, which is the Buddha nature that would supply us with our needs and would take care of us and give us sustenance and peace. And so we could sort of withdraw from the world and be in that place and be okay. So you can see from all of this, we've talked about it from the Tao Te Ching, from the Buddhist perspective, from Merriam-Webster, from the fundamentalist or traditionalist Christian perspective. What we're doing here is sort of broadening the definition of grace quite a bit to include uh, not only other religions, non-Christian religions, but also to, uh, to talk about it in terms of what it means to us personally, how, how we can begin to access it. And that's what we're going to spend the rest of our hour today talking about, is how we can begin to access grace uh, within us. So when we talk about grace, I want to talk just a little bit about what it means when we say we, we've had a graceful moment. Um, I experience this quite a bit in my practice. I often... Uh, we'll say a little prayer at the beginning of a session and that the, the divine will speak through both of us, me and my client, and that, that in so doing we'll be able to get to the issues. And I, I find that um, when, I, when I forget to do that, I, you know, I might sort of get in my own way some or I might, um, they might not be able to really be clear about what they're saying. But suddenly when I, when I say that little uh, affirmation, then I'm able to... Uh, be more present, and they are more able to divulge what's really going on, and we get somewhere. We get, we make some progress that day so that we're able to really say, okay, I see this, what's really going on here. And once you've named it, as we said earlier in the book Grace Unfolding, Johansson and Kurtz talk about naming as a really vital part of grace. So we're able to name that thing, and once you name it, then you're able to go, okay, now here's what we possibly could begin a process of doing something about. 
So uh, those graceful moments occur. I'm sure you probably have had some of those occur as well. Um, I certainly know of times when I was in pretty desperate stripes when it seemed that things uh, were, I was sort of intervened, some kind of um, peace downloaded for me. Uh, I was able to do something that I might not have been able to do otherwise. Uh, there was a time when my, uh, I went to drop off my, my, uh, pick up my son, excuse me, from daycare. And, uh, my daughter was in the car and I just had a few feet to go and get him out of the line. So I left her in the car when she was very visible to me and I left her in the car there and went to get him and, but as I got behind the car, I noticed the car was rolling forward and I was parked on a, uh, the top of a hill and it began to roll down the other side of the hill and it, down and there were woods on the other side of that hill and uh, so I noticed the car was rolling and I was really tired as the end of a work day and I thought you yeah, know okay it's rolling okay you know it just didn't really ding ding in me and uh, then I began to realize what was going on and I stopped reached down and pulled on the bumper of the car and pulled the car back up the hill now, my car was not a, you know, a tank or anything. It was just a Pinto back then. It was many years ago when my children were little. But um, but I was able to pull that thing back up the hill and then run around, jump in, and put on the emergency brake and, and make sure that didn't happen again. I got in the car and my daughter was going, hey, 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 mom, the car was rolling. You know, <laughs> it's like it was a merry-go-round ride or something. But that was pretty, I mean, people call that miraculous. I would say it was a graceful moment. I think it was a moment in which I was given the grace to do what I needed to do to make sure my daughter was not harmed. Uh, Of course, when I looked back up at the people in the line where my son was, they were looking at me with their mouths hanging open like, what did you just do? But I didn't do it. It was grace in me that did it. And of course, I was there in it. But uh, uh, so that that's an experience of grace. Certainly, there's been times when I've experienced financial um, gifts that have come my way that um, were not expected. Um, one story of a Brazilian note under my car, under my car seat. My son had hurt his leg and couldn't go get something under the car seat, and I went to get it and came out with a Brazilian five hundred dollar note. I could not get the people who were. Uh, I went back in the house and asked my son about it. He's a walking, talking encyclopedia. So I asked him about it. He said, well, maybe it's real, maybe it's not, but you could call and find out. So I called the exchange people, couldn't get anybody, couldn't get anybody for several days, couldn't get anybody to answer the phone. And so I just attached a little sticky paper to it, stuck it in my billfold and forgot about it. Uh, three months later, I took a $500 hit on a program I was doing. And I was paying bills and wondering how I was going to do that. And I found that $500 note, called, got somebody right away, and was able to go down there and exchange it for almost the full amount of the $500 and use that money to take care of myself. So where did that Brazilian note come from? Can't say, but that's grace. Uh, It's uh, sometimes very often unexplainable. There is a mystery to life, and that's another thing that um, that Johansson and Kurtz talk about in their book, Grace Unfolding, that they talk about um, embracing ex- uh, the mystery, uh, entering the mystery, and affirming the darkness. Things we don't understand are okay uh, from the perspective of grace. So we want to talk a little bit more about that. When we get back, we're going to be talking about freedom and grace. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back in just a minute.
America 7th Wave Channel. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back. Uh, The Authentic Living Show is brought to you by the... um Institute of Noetic Sciences, which is dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. It was founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, and it's a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness, consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And we're talking today about a, a subject that is not usually the word that is not usually used when we think about new age or new thought. The word grace. It's typically considered to be a traditional Christian word, and has not not a, applicable across the other non-Christian religions. But what we're finding to be true is that concept. If it's not the word, it's the concept is used throughout all religions. In fact, um, the studies that I've done seem to indicate that all of religions are saying the same thing, which is that at base we are divine. Um, and we've forgotten about that. And, uh, and because we've forgotten, we sometimes need that grace to remind us. And so uh, that's why grace is such an important thing to talk about because when, when it happens, we need to recognize it. When it happens in a really big way, like my Brazilian note, well, that, that's, that's a big deal. I mean, that's not a forgettable experience. As a matter of fact, I remember getting in the car that day and looking in the rearview mirror and uh, out the back to the place where I'd just been to exchange the money and uh, saying to the divine, as I speak to the divine, 
oh, you don't really think this is going to make you me trust you, do you? <laughs> so it's that, you know, being able to laugh in the midst of a, a, a difficult situation, being able to laugh at ourselves. Those are graceful moments. In fact, I would go so far as to say breathing in and out is grace. But we're going to talk about it in a, in a bigger, more broader way right now. So let's talk about freedom. When we think about freedom, typically we think it means that the human spirit is set free to fly. And we typically think that being set free to fly means we can do whatever we want, whenever, however, etc. Um, and in essence, that's true. But the we is what we're talking about there. If, the, if, if I want to be free uh, and, and I say to myself, well, I'm going to be free and I'm just going to go do whatever I want whenever I want and you know, I'll take those consequences. And those consequences will remind me that in the dualistic world, I don't so much think I'm free. Um, I might not be able to get away with not coming to work whenever I don't want to go to work. I might not get to keep that job. Uh, so you see, those are the things that will come back on us and we go, well, then I must not be free. Well, the truth is that we are not, um, our, our essence is not defined by duality. We live in a world in which duality is the way we live. And so, because we do, we struggle with things like money and uh, health and food and clothing and things like that that we think we need to be able to survive here on this planet. But actually, grace is not about survival so much as it is about living. Um, And living in freedom means to live without fear or to live in the freedom to be who we are with the fear, but without being dictated by the fear. So, in other words, what we're saying is that the fear is a um, derivative of duality. So, okay, duality is that state of existence in which we feel like we're separate from God or the divine, however you want to phrase that, term, how you, what terminology you use for that divine. Uh, we, are, we live in this world in which duality reigns, and because duality reigns, we were raised to believe that duality was true and that because it was true, we had to struggle and fight and work hard and all of that to, for our survival. But when we get to the state of grace, we find that working hard is more like effortless effort. So we have effort. We are doing something. We're not just sitting around. But, we, but when we do the effort, we are in the flow of grace. So the flow of grace says, I'm doing this but it's being initiated by the divine self within me. Um, that's what Jesus talked about when he said, when he was, was saying that he did not initiate anything of his own, but the Father did it through him. He didn't say it just that way, but it was basically saying, I cannot initiate on my own. So if he couldn't initiate and he was the Son of God, then why do we think we should be able to initiate? Well, we initiate based on uh, that part of us that feels it is separate from the divine, but we uh, recognize ourselves as um, great engraced beings when we we stop trying to initiate and start getting into the flow. So, okay, we talk about getting into the flow. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Let's talk first about desire. Um, when we say, I get to do whatever I want, uh, whenever I want, however I want, we think in terms of desire. But actually, the term desire, when we reduce it down to its root language, is actually the same name as the name I am. It is to be. Um, Desire means to be. 
When we think in terms of desire, as we typically understand it, we say, I want that thing I don't have. But when we think about it in terms of the definition of the divine, it is not wanting something I don't have. It is relishing in something I do have. So desire is the, uh, the passion for what it is that I do have. It is the fullness, the full awareness, the full consciousness of a moment in which we experience life at its essence. That, and the, in order to get there, we often have to have a grace-filled experience. So grace allows us to see that we are not separate from the divine and therefore we can, do, we can be initiated by the divine within us. So when Jesus said that, what he was saying was the Father works through me. Now the Father is the source. Another word for the Father is not a male figurehead as is traditionally interpreted, but we look at the root language and it is the, uh, the origin, the source. And so the source initiated his activities, his thoughts, his words, and his deeds. And that source is within us because we're not separate from it. And so when we, when we can really see that, grace takes over. We get into the flow. And the flow is divine flow. It's divine energy that works within us and through us to be us. So it's, it's me being me, the me that I am as a divine self not the me that I am as a person who is separate from the divine. Now, a lot of people want to call that ego. I'm not comfortable at all with the use of that term. And I hope that if I, if I do nothing else on this planet but provide us with another way of looking at that rather than ego, um, I, I have done a service. I've done what I, one of the things I came here to do because I, the ego is just a liaison between the inner and the outer world. Um, it is not to be blamed for all of our inequities and uh, blindnesses. Um, so when we talk about desire, what we're talking about in, in, in terms of its graceful meaning is desire is the, the relishing in what we already have because we don't lack for anything. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We don't, there's nothing we're missing. We could look at the people and starving people around the world and say, you know, well, what about them? And what I would say is we all are one, and where they starve, we starve. And uh, when we can get in touch with our own grace, then we will be also helping them with theirs. And that's what we can do uh, for them, not only from afar, but also close up. Um, we could talk some more about that in another, another time. But today I want to talk about flight. Grace is considered to be this human spirit set free to fly. So flight, what is flight? Flight is relative to the land. And land is relative to the sky and what's beneath the land. So we're talking flight is a relative term. Uh, we, when we think about flying, we think about being above the land, above the sea, above the trees, the mountains, the whatever, above earth. And uh, so it has, it has a relativity to it. We don't typically think of flight in that way. But without the relativity, flight is just another way of being here on planet earth. So, uh, so in... In relative to the land, we can re- go above the land. That means we can transcend so that we can look down over the land and see what's happening from that more global perspective. And uh, we definitely can do that when we're in a graceful place. We can see our lives from a whole new perspective. And when we're in a state of grace, we can also see 
other people's lives in a whole new perspective. We get all worried about what's going to happen with Joe and Mary and what they're going to do with their lives and our children's money problems and their marriage issues and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, if we are looking from a graceful perspective, we recognize that each person um, is also a divine self, and that divine self is that person's guide just as much as it's our guide. And uh, that person is getting just as much information from the divine self as we are. Um, and it's not if they open to it, it's if they see it. <laughs> um, if, if, I, if I am given a graceful moment and I don't see it, then I just miss it. That doesn't mean the moment is not filled with grace. It means I just didn't see it. So their lives are unfolding in a graceful manner too because like us, they are being initiated by the divine. And uh, so we can't say that somebody else's life is wrong or right. It is their pathway, and it's their pathway getting them somewhere. So that leads us back to something else we were talking about a little while ago. We said in the fundamentalist or the traditionalist perspective of Christianity, uh, uh, grace was our salvation from the wrath of God. And the wrath of God is traditionally considered to be anger and punishment by God, and the punishment being an eternal punishment uh, of hell. Um, But actually, when we look at the root language, what we find is that um, the root words mean to stretch oneself out in order to touch or to grasp something, to reach after or desire something. So we come back to that word desire again. And then it also means the mountain which is attached in all of its root meanings and synonymous with the word heaven. So to reach out and grasp heaven, that's what uh, wrath actually means. And when the wrath of God is uh, pointed at people, what it means is that uh, the divine is reaching out in a graceful way to touch that person to bring them closer to their own awareness of divine self or heaven. Divine self and heaven, in my way of viewing it, are synonymous terms. We come to heaven here on earth when we recognize that we are divine self. So, actually, the wrath means divine longing, desire, intention to carry us to a complete state. And uh, that changes things entirely so that wrath is not something we need to be protected from, Rather, it is a part of grace. And we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for that. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you ever ask yourself, Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? What do I do next? Life energies are based on the chakras, and this is the foundation of holistic healing. Find the balance in your life by tuning in to Healing Possibilities with your host, Tracy Makarenko. Through engaging guests and Tracy's spiritual guidance, each week we'll explore a different modality of healing designed to help you find peace and wholeness. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for the third segment of our show. We're talking today about grace, a subject that is... Um, typically considered to be something that relative only to Christian religion, but we've we've broadened our concept and we've seen that historically grace is a part of many other world religions. And we were talking just before the break about a very important aspect of grace. What we said then, and I'm going to repeat it again now, was that typically from the traditional perspective, grace is considered to be our protection from the wrath of God. We are saved and brought into a uh, uh, the will of God or the grace of God by um, by salvation or a new birth experience in which we are then protected from having to go to hell because the wrath of God says, I'm punishing you because you have not accepted uh, me as your Savior. But when we look at the root language, what we come to understand is that the word wrath um, means to stretch out oneself in order to touch or to grasp something, to reach after or desire something. And the something that's being desired is heaven. Um, And so what that amounts to is that it is the grace of the divine reaching out to touch us so that uh, that divine energy can heal, open, and uh, retrieve us from the duality trans state so that we are complete. We come to a full awareness of who we are as divine beings, and that is the only completion there is. So that is uh, actually biblical text, but we have to look at the root language to find it. And typically, we don't look at the root language. What typically has happened is that we're, we take one uh, aspect of what is in the multitude of words that are given to us uh, for a particular word, a multitude of meanings given to us for a particular word, and we we use that word. So one of the words for the original word for anger is the natural disposition. But why did that get left out? The natural disposition is one of anger? No, another word, another meaning for the original Greek word uh, for wrath uh, is also anger, but we chose anger instead of the natural disposition. Uh, uh, it also means character. It also means movement. It also means agitation of the soul, where the soul is stirred up. So, you see, all those meanings got left out, and what got chosen by whoever 
decided to interpret the text that way was wrath, was the word wrath. Um, so when we look back and see the deeper meanings, then we can put that together with the original meanings and see that, oh, okay, in context, this means, the whole of this means that the natural uh, disposition and character of the divine is that he, the divine is constantly reaching out to touch and grasp us so that we are brought more and more to completion. What a beautiful definition of, of grace of God or grace of the divine. And what we've done is we've term, uh, so reduced that terminology to just mean God's mad at us because we haven't done whatever he wanted, he uh, quote unquote wants us to do. So um, that changes things entirely. And when we think about grace from the perspective of the natural disposition, it changes things also. Our natural disposition is to be divine self. What is unnatural is for us to live in duality where we think we're separate from the divine and that we are not divine beings. Um, Jesus said, uh, don't your scriptures tell you that you're gods? That's a quote that he was using uh, uh, to the Pharisees when he was talking to them. And actually the scriptures in Psalm do say that you are gods. We are gods. But we don't want to see that. That's not what you hear preached in churches. We want to see rather that we are damned beings and that we must have some kind of experience with um, with a church or with a particular way of, of attaining um, religion through faith that we then are okay. We're saved from hell and we can be okay. Um, but this is telling us that the natural disposition of humans and the divine is uh, one of completion. And so we can look at grace as nature. And I like to look at grace that way. I was a child of the woods when I was growing up and a child of the ocean as well. I grew up part of the uh, part of my childhood on the ocean and part of it uh, very next to some woods. And my siblings and I used to play in those woods all the time. And when we weren't playing in the woods and we lived at the beach, we were playing in the ocean. So nature uh, was very important to me as I grew up. And uh, I attached all kinds of meanings to that. Um, my family was rather dysfunctional, but my experience of nature was not dysfunctional at all. Um, I could go to nature and find stillness. I could go to nature and find something that could be counted on. We had a rope swing across the street from our house when I was growing up, and uh, there was a little sandy dirt road that went, led to, the, to the, the big pine tree where our neighbor friends had hung this gigantic rope, and all the neighbor kids played on that rope. And I would uh, dash out the front door, slam in the front door behind me to my mother's uh, <laughs> consternation and run down the sidewalk and across the street, down the sandy road and grab hold of that rope and just fly, stick the knot, you know, between your legs so you can sit on it and just fly up into the air. That was magical for me. I used to love to do that. Another thing I did was climb into the tops of trees. There was a birch tree that was right across the street from us and I used to climb into the top of that tree and you know they're not really big strong tree so the top of the tree was kind of uh, blew in the wind quite a bit and I would love to just sit up there and sort of feel like I was sailing around in the wind so those are moments that I remember of nature that were very uh, that I've never forgotten they were profound moments for me another thing I did when I was little girl um, and my mother never knew I was doing it I would sneak out of the house and walk to the beach and sit on the beach and watch the waves I knew enough not to go in the water but uh, thank 
goodness for that. But uh, I just sit and watch, just watch the waves. Those are profound moments that I, uh, in my memory that have to do with nature. And what they're telling me is that nature is a part of grace. Nature is the divine flow. Nature is natural. It is, it is that uh, essential um, um, essence of stillness. I can today, when I'm meditating, I can look out at the trees in my own backyard and, and see that uh, there's a stillness there that does not require anything. Yes, trees need rain. Yes, they need soil. Yes, but you can't see that when you look at it. You don't see need. You see a stillness, a just a stillness that just knows that it's all okay. Now, of course, yeah, lots of people could interpret the woods in my backyard differently. I see it that way. Um, it, to me, nature reminds me of the stillness. And the stillness is that place we can go to within us where, where it is still. Um, uh, there's uh, the passage in Psalms that says, Be still and know that I am God. And I translate that to mean, Be still in order to know who you are. Be still in order to know that you are a divine self. And uh, that doesn't mean any kind of arrogance, although people um, are a little bit afraid of that. I watched uh, the Oprah show the other day. Marianne Williamson was on there. And in the end of the show, Oprah asked her a question about um, some uh, something that was very real to her. And she was to give a phrase in, in response. And the phrase she gave was, God is, and then she paused, and she said, me. And Oprah questioned her again, and she said, God is, and then she paused, and she said, me. And I so was so excited that she had said that, because that is not what we typically go around saying. We don't want to say God is me, but God is me, and God is you, and God is all of us. Uh, uh, the divine, uh, I try not to call it the God, because that uh, connotes Christian experience of God, but um, the divine is a natural essence of we are. In fact, our body is made up, and I like to think of it this way, of divine molecules. Everything on the planet comes down to its divine nature. If you, you Just like you can reduce a chair down to its molecules and its quarks and its whatever comes after the quarks, we can reduce our own bodies that same thing. Whatever comes after the quarks and the, whatever comes after that is divine energy. And uh, according to Einstein, it's that field uh, that connects us all. And um, that, you know, that was a theory. Science would say, you know, if there are any scientists out there, they will definitely argue with me and say, well, that hasn't been proven yet. Well, we're, we're working on it, and the quantum physics is very close. So um, what I would say here is that uh, the stillness that is the nature of who we are is what we can get down to when we're meditating. And it is a place where... Uh, we know, it is a place of knowing, be still to know that I am divine. Um, it is a place of knowing. When we get there, there are no words, but we know. And what we know is that we are intensely, deeply connected to the divine. And that's an experience that can't be erased and can't even be understood, really. That's us leaning into the mystery and saying, I don't, I don't understand this, but... I know that I am divine. And uh, so that, that place we go to is a place of grace where we are becoming and being who we actually are. 
in that moment. So when we meditate in the morning, it impacts the way we think throughout that day. When we don't meditate in the morning, sometimes we stay stuck duality trance state in which we see ourselves and our lives from a dualistic perspective, which is be afraid, be very afraid, because your survival is always something you need to be paying attention to, and survival is going to depend on your job, your money, your boss, your wife, your husband, something outside of yourself that you must grab hold of and control so that you can stay alive, because no, you won't survive. And we have that fear all the live, all the throughout our lives, which are we have until we die. <laughs> we don't survive. None of us, survive. and yet we are here while we're here. And the whole time we're here, instead of being here and being present and being in that graceful place, are uh, aware of our natural essence. We live in that uh, frightened, state, which survival is nipping at our heels or the lack of survival is nipping at our heels so we uh, we don't live in that state of grace and we can move in and out of it jesus talked about sheep that would come in and out of the fold and i think that's what he was talking about we can move in and out of that state of grace but we understand who we are um, and i think that is the best definition of grace that i that i want to say today is that when we are uh when we experience it's grace. We know who we are. We know that, uh, like the Udana said, uh, we are the unborn, un- unbecome, unmade, uncompounded divines. Whereas the uh, the Buddhist would also say, it is that our from the from the born, the become, the made, and the compounded. In other words, whatever is contrived isn't real. What we uh, strive to build, make, uh, do, say, think, believe isn't real. Um, when we're striving to make sure we don't think negative thoughts and we only think positive thoughts, we're not real. We're not being real. When we step into stillness and let grace do the effortless effort of our living our lives, initiating us, then we are in the flow. And when we're in the flow, we are in the unmade, unborn, uncompounded state. And we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for that. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy are every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. 
The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with our final segment today, talking today about the word grace, what it means to us in uh, a non-Christian perspective, not that it's not also important in the Christian perspective, but we wanted to broaden our definition of grace today. Um, We started out saying that the Sanskrit word for it was Shaktipata, which means bestowing the energy or lighting the lamp. And I, I think that term, lighting the lamp, is so very beautiful because, or bestowing the energy, because we... Uh, when we light the lamp, we see. Um, the, the truth is that the truth is always there. We just don't see it. The fact of our divine nature is always there. We just don't see it. And when we're walking through our day, seeing only our needs to be afraid and work hard and strive after and become, be better people, be our best, highest self, all those terms that we use, um, that's all about striving. And uh, when we get to studying uh, the Buddhist concept of self and no self, uh, the, uh, the Tao and the concepts of Qi, uh, uh, qi the, uh, the uh, Buddhist concept of, of the, uh, the natural Buddha within us all, um, the Buddha self, um, some people talk about the Christ self uh, and from the Christian perspective, um, that, those are terms that have to do with who we are. And it's who we are that we're talking about when we get to the word grace. We're not talking about what we do, not talking about things that happen outside of us. We're talking about who we are. And our perspective changes when we get into who we are and out of who we're not. Okay, Who we're not is separated from God. We see ourselves a certain way when we believe ourselves to be separate from the divine. When we believe ourselves to be one with the divine, then we are also divine. The term one with, um, a lot of people say, well, we're one with God, but that doesn't mean we're divine. Well, how can you be one with the divine and not be divine? Uh, I don't know how that can happen. Um, So one with means that you are its essence and its essence is you. And so we have that natural essence. It is very natural. It is unnatural for us to live in duality where we uh, have been striving to survive and make do and fit in and not be rejected and be okay. That's unnatural. What's natural is for us to just slip into that state of stillness where all effort is effortless effort. 
And by effortless effort, I mean that grace is, is the effort and we are, grace is working through us. We are the tool that grace uses and um, not just the tool, but the essence as well. Um, so that term grace, it has so much power in it because I think it really brings us to that, that essence of who we are. And, uh, and when we talk about uh, terms like the wrath of God, as we said earlier, that term doesn't mean what it's been traditionally translated to mean. Um, that word anger or wrath was taken as one word out of a list of possible options. Um, and one of those in, uh, including the natural disposition, another one including movement, another one including the agitation of the soul, another one being desire. None of those were included in the definition that was chosen for that word the Greek word uh, that is used for the the wrath of God. Uh, And then we found out that to stretch oneself out in order to touch or grasp something and make it complete, to reach after it, uh, the completion was also the definition of heaven. So we saw that the full definition of that word wrath meant something entirely different than what we thought that that definition meant. So Now, that changes the definition of grace entirely. If the old traditional definition of of grace was to avoid the wrath of God, and the wrath of God is actually a form of grace in which our natural disposition is to move through the desire that is the divine within us to to become complete through effortless effort, Uh, and by completing, I mean seeing. We that turn that light on and see who we actually are, as opposed to who we thought we were. Uh, so, in that sense, then, grace is a very feminine perspective. The masculine perspective, and there's nothing wrong with the masculine or right with the feminine or vice versa. Um, the feminine perspective is an internal perspective. The masculine perspective is an external perspective. Okay, and we could use other words for that. But there are words that Carl Jung came up with, and we've gotten greater and greater clarity about uh, the essential meaning that that might be had from those words as time has gone by since he gave us his work and then died. Uh, what I now say feminine means is walking the inner terrain, and, and masculine means walking the outer terrain. So the, the process of parenting appropriately would be that the mother, the feminine, and that could be a man, but the feminine, whatever that is, the nurturing aspect, um, uh, supplies us with the ability to go inside and gather everything that's in there and bring it forward. And then the masculine part of us takes what was brought forward out into the external world to manifest it. And that's how the masculine and feminine are united um, inside of us so that they are also one. They work in harmony with each other. They're not split off from each other as they are in our world, real world, in our dualistic real world. Um, so grace is feminine. Grace uh, allows us to go in and find out who we are. That's what a graceful moment is really all about. So for that moment, we see, oh, that's who I am. I am divine self. And we experience that very often through meditation. You hear people talking about getting to a very peaceful state where their bodies were just very, very relaxed and their mind and heart and body all seem to be in harmony and they they got information sort of downloaded to them. They suddenly knew things they didn't know before. And I'm not talking about psychic things necessarily, although that's possible. I'm talking about 
um, things where they, they began to understand themselves in a new light or understand their life situations in a new perspective. Um, they began to, um, to see themselves whole as opposed to split off into variant components. Um, so the, when, when we meditate, we, we get into a state of grace. Um, and so anything that can bring us to further and further awareness of who we are inside and then we can take that, what we find in there, outside. So here's the purpose for me of meditation. Uh, I meditate in the morning, and I experience my divine nature. I sit in the stillness of that nature, and I receive. I receive my essence for who I am. I receive the, the very nature of myself. I receive it. I embrace it. I sit with it. And I, I'm not really doing more than just sitting with it, but I'm also in the process of sitting with it, hearing it, embracing it, being with it, being present with it, and it with me. And so there's no division anymore. It's not I am experiencing uh, a separate object or I am the object being experienced. It's rather I'm one with that experience. And once I have that meditation experience in the morning, I'm able to take that with me out into my day and uh, and give that grift, gift of grace it actually radiates outward. I don't have to work to give it. It radiates outward. So go on Facebook and you see all these uh, uh, comments and posts by people who will tell us what we need to do to improve our lives and what we need to do to uh, make sure that we stay positive and what we need to do to not let fear take over our lives and all those things. And all of those are really uh, great, but they're telling us to contrive and use effort to, to, to get somewhere. What I'm suggesting is just the opposite. Stop contriving. Stop using effort. Be still to know who you are. And in that being still, you, you, you are with who you are. So that's really the definition of grace that I want to go with, and I hope that this show has been helpful to you in understanding grace. We're going to be talking next week to Sarah Wiseman, again, on her latest book, Becoming Your Best Self, in which she will talk more about the authentic self, the guide to clarity, inspiration, and joy. Uh, inspiration meaning inspired by grace. So um, we'll be talking to her next week. You don't want to miss that either. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.